podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness. The Last Starfighter. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of 1980s Now. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. whoa wait, what? Oh. This is the first episode. Well, you know what? I was thinking. Now. I don't think when we did The Idiots, I don't think we said that. I think we were like, uh, fake it till you make it. We just always said, welcome uh, back. All right, and, all right. and consistent Five. with that, I always said, joining me as always. And you never joined me until then. <laughs> That's true. I mean, all right. Doing that. All right, fine. My name is Will. And joining me, as always, is my friend and my co-host, Ray. How we doing today? And joining <laughs> us for the first time ever is our brand new co-host, who also happens to be a friend of mine for over 30 years now. Please welcome to the show, Kat. Hi there, Will. Hi there, Ray. Hola. <laughs> so, in a sense, this is an inaugural episode because it is our first episode under our new name. But, hey, you guys know we've been doing this for almost two years now. But we couldn't even last to our yes. anniversary without changing our name. We've been talking about it for a while. It just makes sense. We've got feedback from a number of other people. And it makes uh, technological sense because it's easier to find a 1980s podcast if you have the name 1980s, or the word rather, 1980s in your name. Yeah, and not having idiots in your name yeah. <laughs> is good. Yes. It seemed particularly repulsive to female guests uh, who ghosted us really? or otherwise decided not to promote our show that they were on our show. I don't know. Whatever. Oh, I but thought it was okay. clever. You're still idiots. I'm going to go back to them now and say, hey, does this fix it? Yeah. <laughs> kind of like a relationship. <laughs> Honey, I've changed. Will you come back now? But maybe Ugh. not. On, <laughs> 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 on today's show, we're going to be talking about The Last Starfighter. Our memories, recollections, love of the film. And a little bit later, we'll be joined by the stars of the film when you hear much of my interview, most of it, with Lance Guest and Catherine Mary Stewart. Yay. And to watch the full interview, which, because it was originally a Facebook Live event we did a couple weeks ago, you can go to The 80s Ruled on Facebook. They have it there. Hmm. Okay. Hey, let's say that's all that for now. <laughs> and let's get caught up on 1980s news. Today on 1980s news... This comes to us via Deadline. National Geographic has ordered three unscripted series from Rob Lowe. Each one of them is uh, a trip down memory lane. The most, I guess, relevant to us is the Brat Pack, or the former Brat Pack star. Or maybe once a Brat Packer, always a Brat Packer. It's probably fight your way in, fight, fight, out, fight your way out. <laughs> he will be hosting and exec producing the 80s Top 10 a series that will feature six thought-provoking top 10 countdowns of 1980s pop culture, as voted on by a panel of experts. I cannot wait to find out who these experts are. Me too. Now, and that we're not on it somehow. Well, I was going to say, we were not contacted, yeah. so... Mm. I'm very curious who the experts are. Very curious. Other actors, uh, musicians. Like You'd almost have to pull from all different sort of areas of business and arts to figure out what to talk about, I guess. Who would be your panel of 1980s experts if we could have Ooh. someone to consult other than the three folks on this uh, right. show here? Man, <laughs> that's, that is hard. Because well, I would have yep. to go with Charlie Sheen. Oh, boy. Here we go. Emilio Estevez. Oh, you're just getting the rest of the Brat Pack? Yeah. Plus Charlie Sheen? Kevin Bacon. Kevin oh, Bacon. Kevin Bacon. A absolutely Kevin Bacon. Mm. Ali Sheedy. You're just going down the Brat Pack. <laughs> Molly no. Ringwald. Molly Ringwald. Anthony Michael mm -hmm. Hall. Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> but are, are they not are they not experts on what well, that's this the thing. would be? I mean, just because you lived it, or I'll put it this way, I guess. And they're older than we are, so right. would you consider yourself a 90s expert? I mean, that's probably the most analogous thing, because we were probably- well, I'm an expert on every decade. Well, that's true. <laughs> but I said not the three of us on the show are excluded from that. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't consider myself a 90s person or know much about it. So I don't know. I think they're too old to say that they lived through it the way we did. Right. And they were just in movies. I mean, look, obviously he needs this panel because he himself as a Brat Pack member, that's not enough. I, I disagree. I think he's absolutely capable of doing this. Mm. All right. Well, the, uh, according to Deadline, the show will feature the most memorable moments, gadgets, toys, fast foods, commercials, and streetwear. 
of the decade with stories such as the launch of MTV and the Apple Macintosh to the tale of Teddy Ruxpin and Wendy's Super Bar. Ooh. What's Wendy's Super Bar? Is that like the salad bar, fixin's bar they had at Wendy's? I think it must have been. Mm. When, when I read streetwear, I thought yeah. of my parachute pants. Ah, me too. <laughs> parachute <laughs> pants. Yes. Red and gray. Oh, and I have. Yeah, nice. I have a pair of new parachute pants. New? Yeah. They're still folded up, have tags on them. I cannot wait for an opportunity. <laughs> this is our next 1980s now or our first 1980s now live event, Ray. We, we got to get that DeLorean from those guys, uh, Time Machine Rental. Oh, I can I'm going to wear my parachute pants. Ray can parachute wear his, pants. he always wears his Adidas tracksuit. So he's a ready oh, style. Really? Styling. I do. I love my Adidas tracksuit. Yeah. No, I thought you were going to make me ride the skateboard oh, no, behind yeah. the car. Oh, no. Yeah, we're going to do that. We got to yeah. get the DeLorean though. Okay, hey, in other 80s news, and this comes to us via Collider, the Dungeons & Dragons movie has officially started filming. Yay! (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Wait, maybe he forgot that uh, Hugh Grant is playing the bad guy in it. Jonathan Goldstein, the director of the film, uh, announced via Twitter earlier this month that production was underway. The tweet was just a close-up shot of one of those film clabberts that had the uh, D&D logo that we know, that red logo on there, and then had the details about, you know, had his name on there and his co-director, John Francis Daly, was on there as well. Uh, And it said, the campaign begins. (laughs) Now, maybe this will get you more excited about it, Ray, because you're, you know, you were uh, not too hot on uh, the casting of Hugh Grant. We have learned that they have now cast the star of Bridgerton, Reggae John Page. Yeah, I have no idea who that is. (laughs) But, uh... But you know what? I'm no. all in. You're back. I've changed my mind. When I see the logo, yep. I'm all in. Oh. Screw it. Kat, are you familiar with Bridgerton? I'm mm. not. Not as a watcher yeah. of the show, but I see it show up in the yep. news <laughs> and how he is, uh, everyone's sad because I guess he's not going to return to yeah. the show. He, he's the heartthrob of the show. He's yeah. the, the main uh-huh. reason why so many people watch it. So Is he hot? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is he like buff or is he just like good looking? A little bit of both. I don't know yeah. how buff he is, but he's he's easy on the eye, shall we say? Okay, well yeah. then he's perfect for Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> mm, that's true. I know my, my wife has watched the show and she's read the books and she has swooned okay. at some page, 151 or something. I remember she was just like, <laughs> oh. she was getting the vapors one night reading in bed. <laughs> I was like, should I leave? <laughs> You need some alone time with reggae. I'm going to have to check this out. <laughs> yeah, and, there, and actually there's a reason why he's not on the second season because each book follows a okay. different, different characters. So it makes sense. Oh, yeah. Well, and actually I, I thought it was interesting in this Collider article, how they point, they, the way they describe it is that the 2000 version of the D and D film that starred Jeremy Irons and, and Marlon Wayans. I mean, what a combo you have there that, you know, they had some stars in that one, but that Paramount is now doubling down by putting even more stars because that'll make it succeed as if that's the focus. If you just have more <laughs> stars, it'll be fine. Well, doesn't it have a star that Ray is fond of? Let's see, Oh, yeah, that's right. Chris Pine. Yes, I, I, I am absolutely a big fan of Chris Pine. So that is my mm-hmm. saving grace for this. All right. And I think he's going to save this movie. And that's all I need. It's Dungeons and Dragons and I got Chris Pine. That's all I need. Yeah. I'm going to hold on to that. <laughs> like a dragon. He's going to hold on to it and yeah. write it. <laughs> There's no release date for the film yet. Uh, but, you know, who knows? It seems like they turn around film. Once they get started, they can turn around a film pretty quickly. It's not like when we were kids. Right. You'd read about something in Time Magazine and then it'd be three years later before it would come out. Yep. You know what I, I, re- I remembered was that, you know, even while they're making this film, Hasbro also had greenlit a TV series based on Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was going to be created by uh, Derek Kolstad, who was the creator and writer of the John Wick series. But we haven't heard anything about it since March, I think, when he was explaining how he wanted it to be kind of like The Mandalorian and and the way it unfolded over time, and he wouldn't, you know, show all the sort of well-known characters early on. But that might be dead. I don't know. We haven't heard about it in a while. The only thing I can say is is I'm still a big fan of, and I know this sounds crazy, but... Shia, Shia LaBeouf. Oh, LaBeouf. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He still wants to do a Dungeon Dragons oh, right, movie right, right, right. where it's everybody sitting around the table and they cut to the <laughs> scenes of what they're saying and doing. Yep. And I don't know why this has not happened yet. That's going to revive his career. It's ridiculous and never going to happen. It's going to happen. Okay. It's going to goddamn happen. In God other 1980s news, <laughs> uh, Dark Dice is well underway now. So <laughs> I wanted to touch base once again on Dark Dice. 
which, you know, the new season of Dark Days Dice, the Dungeons and Dragons, I think they call it Real Play uh, Podcast, because they're really playing, folks. No oh, yeah, chic- yeah. chicanery here. Mm-hmm. I think that's a word. Uh, it started on May 12th, and it, it, while Jeff Goldblum wasn't in the first episode, he was in a following episode. And we've, of course, been <laughs> waiting for the appearance of Balmer, the uh, magical elf played by Jeff Goldblum. Ray, of course, is skeptical as to whether or not he's really playing or he's just acting. And I got to say, after listening to the episode that featured Jeff Goldblum, I'm not sure. I think I might side with Ray on this one after all. But I did pull some clips from the show with Jeff Goldblum in them. And uh, just to get you, get your thoughts, this is uh, Jeff Goldblum's uh, character, Balmer, met after his character has met some new folks in another party. They exchange pleasantries. You're an elf, sir? The handsome elf had taken to pulling the bodies further from the gate and was presently cleaning up the pooling blood runes with strips torn from their cloth. A wood elf. Yes, yes. Yeah, I saw the slavers and, and thought that I could perhaps be of assistance to them, but instead I, uh, <laughs> I ended up captured myself. Can you imagine? You were uh, hoping to assist the slavers. <laughs> oh, assist the captives. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> That's lovely of you. <laughs> that sounds awful. Okay, I need a yeah. little help here. I've never played Dungeons okay, and Dragons. That's okay, that's forgivable. I yeah. know about it, the general mm-hmm. premise, and and so I need to know why Ray was crumpling there. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm not sure either. Ray could hardly contain himself, and not with anger. It looked like he was about to burst laugh, burst out laughing. It was mirth. Yeah. It was, Were you enjoying yes, it, it was, finally? Maybe. No, every one of those voice actors <laughs> sounds like idiots. Oh dear, they did. <laughs> I don't know who they are, no. but you should be you should be embarrassed because that was garbage. No. <laughs> oh no! Well, you know, I gotta say, uh, look, I don't want to knock anybody as clearly as Ray, I suppose, but I did have a hard time paying attention, and I love Dungeons and Dragons. Now, unlike Ray, I also okay. have a problem though reading fantasy books. Like Ray loves fantasy novels. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time connecting mm-hmm. with those stories and the text and before I start tuning out and just confused okay. as what's happening or which character is which character. So for me, it was a little bit yeah. like that. The guy who wrote it with, you know, he and his wife wrote and produced this is also the DM and the narrator. So you hear his voice a lot throughout okay. the show and he's explaining things and the characters and the history. I'm just kind of, it's just a wash of information. Right. Punctuated mm-hmm. every now and then by uh-huh. actual gameplay. So I don't know if it's the voice acting that... <laughs> Pulled me out of it, Ray, like you, but I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't all that thrilled. Garbage. Now, I do have, a, we were wondering about whether Jeff really knows how to play or not. So I do have some, uh, a clip from him in a battle. Ooh, let's hear it. A Soren caught the elf squarely in the chest with an arrow. Their intended actions ceased as they gasped for breath, still standing, but gravely injured. Okay, then Bonner <laughs> is going to continue his assault, drawing upon his necromantic repertoire. <laughs> and casting the Toll the Dead cantrip on his captor that can be overcome with a DC 13 wisdom save, or he'll take seven necrotic damage. So, (laughs) Ray cannot contain himself. No. It's an audio show, Ray. (laughs) Take your hands off your face. (laughs) I'm trying to stop myself from laughing. This is horrible. No, I was. You cannot tell me <laughs> yeah. that any game I've ever DM for you yeah. <laughs> was worse than this. You cannot no, tell yeah. me that. No, of, I, of course not. And you know, Ray is a very good DM, but also the campaigns. Okay. I don't know. The I don't feel like you hear so much narration from the DM. You know, you, you hear some stuff and you get into action. A lot of it's driven by the characters. Of course, the DM yeah. controls the story, but there's okay. a whole, whole lot. You don't hear a whole lot. Whole lot from the characters here, and I'd say Jeff Goldblum, who is like the highlight of this episode, supposedly is barely in it. Oh dear! But I was curious about that clip, Ray, because you hear him talk about doing a Toll of the Dead cantrip, and he he, he, talk, he <laughs> knows the DC number, he knows the damage. I, I don't know. I'm not sure if someone records it and then they tell him here's the script, or they they let him fumble through it and then they give then he, they clean it up in post. They have him re-record it. Thumper. Is that that's a word, right? Isn't that something? I like it. It works. You know what? Yeah. Uh, this, you know, if you're gonna do Dungeons and Dragons, do yeah. it right. Do it the right way. This is garbage. Well, is there a one right there way? Is, is there a one right <laughs> way? To do? It's a game played between friends. Yeah. That's all it is, and they they mess it up so bad. Yeah. They just do. Yeah. So are they making it too complicated? No. 
or melodramatic? They think, yeah, they or? think they're actors. Well, well they, they are They think actors. that they're okay. doing something special when all you just okay. have to do is just play the game. Make it fun. Make it good. Jesus Christ, it's not that hard, man. Come well, on. You know, <laughs> th- th- this and the in the Rob Lowe thing, and look, maybe I'm just getting kind of cynical about this, but then there's also been some other shows, and actually during the pandemic in particular, that we, we suddenly were competing in our little niche here with a lot of folks who are celebrities who have, you know, made their bones doing other things, have now also jumping into these, you know, smaller things that have now become trendy. Mm-hmm. And now we're folks who aren't, didn't come up through it the way we did sort of growing up with it. That, that is kind of frustrating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did watch an interview with the producer, Travis Vengroff, who, you know, explained a little bit about the process and did say, you know, they record and then he goes back and says, all right, we need to re-record this, or you need to do this line to help make the story make more sense or to clean up some things they did. And he said, they do <laughs> cut out a lot of the table talk, not, not table talk in the bad sense, which in, in, and D&D is a bad thing if you're trying to well, strategize outside of the story. I will ask you but, this, though. Yeah. Oh. When we're sitting at the table yeah. and we're playing the game, do you think the talk is the problem? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, it's not. Yeah, no, 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 no. But the, uh, what I was going to say is um, the producer was asked, how did you get Jeff Goldblum on your show anyway? And he said, well, I don't know him. I didn't know him. I have no relationship or connection to him. Um, it's just kind of weird. Like we asked him and they didn't say no. So it, I thought that's such a strange answer. You know, and I kept thinking, are they hiding yes. the fact that Jeff Goldblum's really not involved and he's involved, but he's not involved? Did you see the world according to Jeff Goldblum? I did watch some it's of those on, episodes. Yeah. Did you watch some? Yeah. Uh, it's making me, uh, reminding me of the um, episode. Oh gosh. I forget what the topic was, yep. but he ended up being involved with uh a group of people that do, what is it? Like oh, role playing? Yeah, like, What's uh, that called? LARPing? Was it LARPing? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And, um, and he, he, flumping, flumping, what's the word you used? He, he <laughs> flumped his fumfering. way. Fumfering? <laughs> fumfering. He, he, you know, he does that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he flumped his way, <laughs> his way through that. He's a professional flumper. Yeah, he is. He is. I wonder if, because he was featured yeah. in that and I don't know how successful it was. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I definitely laughed at his style of uh, presenting information. Uh, could that be? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> God damn it. I wish him well. I wish them all well, but. Yeah. I don't. Okay. I don't wish them well. <laughs> you don't wish I them don't. well. <laughs> that, that's, that whole thing is oh, trash. All right. Well, hey, there you go. That was Dark Dice. And also that was 1980s news. All right. Hey, like we said, a little bit. You're glad it's over, right? I am. Oh, oh, before I forget. (laughs) Hey, if you've liked what you've heard so far, don't forget to subscribe. That way you get notified every time there's a new episode. It's absolutely free. (laughs) Okay. A little bit later on the show, you'll hear a good portion of my interview with Catherine Mary Stewart and Lance Guest, the stars of The Last Starfighter, which we are going to be talking about the movie right now. Uh, Before we get into our discussion, just a couple quick facts about the film. It was released July 13th in the greatest year for film. Kat, you might not know this. We haven't had this conversation oh. yet. 1984 is by far the yeah. best year for movies. How could I not know that? I listened to every episode mm. oh. <laughs> and I heard you say it so many times. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. You do know that then. Oh, wow. Did we say I that? I do. Okay, it's true. Oh, yes. Okay, very good. <laughs> uh, it, on a budget of $15 million, it made it approximately $29 million domestically. That's according to Box Office Mojo. We don't have international numbers, and that may be because, and we talked about this once before, also, Cat. So maybe you should just tell us <laughs> that I, I don't know how well they tracked it back then because a global market's more of a phenomenon now and right. has been in the last couple of decades yeah. than it was back in 1984. It was ranked 26th of 169 films that were ranked by, uh, by Box Office Mojo that year. And like I said, unfortunately, it was the greatest year for film. So, you know, very easily, uh, there's 25 other films that, uh, you know, had a bigger box mm-hmm. office. Um, okay. okay, so here, okay. So, all right, so I'm going to give you, the, look, this is a goof. I'm going to tell you right now, but it's just this way an interest. It's not interesting at all. All right. Here, I'm going to give you three films. I'm going to give you three films. Tell me which of these, which of one of these didn't come out in 1984, the greatest year for film. Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Gremlins, or they all came out in 1984. 
Okay, the one I'm not sure about yeah. is the Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Mm. They all came out in 1984. Oh, was that? Was yes. that 84? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> oh, this, is a, this is a dumb idea, but I'll leave it in. All of the above. Because Ray says I cut out stuff that makes me look uh, bad. But I'll leave yeah. it in. Yeah. He, he cuts out shit that makes him look like a d- That's what yeah. he does. <laughs> and I add it to Ray's portion. I change my and voice to sound like he makes me Ray. look like a d- <laughs> I have a filter that changes my voice. Yeah. Also in the in 1984, <laughs> The Karate Kid, Police Academy, Footloose, yes. Beverly Hills Cop, Splash, yep. Purple Rain, The Natural, Revenge of the Nerds, Breaking, Bachelor Party, Red Dawn, Terminator, Conan, The Destroyer, and ooh, tons ooh, more. Ooh, that's, ooh. that's just some. Those are just some of the ones that ranked higher than The Last Starfighter, by the way. Ghostbusters, of course, held a record, maybe still does, for, what was it, comedy? Comedy, yeah. Something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. When you adjust for inflation. Mm -hmm. uh, Because, you know, compared to the last Starfighter's uh, roughly $29 million, uh, Ghostbusters had $229 million. So, all right. So, hey, did you see the film when it came out? I confess I did not. No. Did not see the last Starfighter until about 10 years ago. That's my confession to Ray. I think Will, Will <laughs> would be a little fine. more forgiving, but. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> what, fine. Are you sure it's fine? Yeah, that's okay. fine. What would prompt you in 2011, I guess, right? I'm doing math here, to suddenly watch The Last Starfighter, which, you know, is 30 some odd years yes, old. Yes, I will tell you, we were visiting some yeah. family yeah. down in Maryland and my kids at the time were really into the Marvel movies. Mm. And they kept telling this uncle we were visiting you have to watch. And they kept listing Iron Man mm. and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. he said, okay, while you're here, we're going to watch one movie that you want me to watch. And you're going to watch one movie that I want you to watch. Uh, and he played The Last Starfighter. That's a good uncle. Yeah. He was that's fantastic. Awesome oh. uncle. Yes. <laughs> so. I've done that with my daughter too. Mm-hmm. We trade off like that. And it's always an 80s movie. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Ray, did you see it in the theater or was it on VHS tape? And I, I say that because, you know, some folks claim it didn't sort of get the status it had or the popularity until it was finally out on videotape right. and on cable. Yeah, I, I, I saw it on videotape. Mm-hmm. I did okay. not see it in a theater, but once I saw it on videotape, I loved it. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I did see it in the theater just because my dad, in particular, was you know still is a movie junkie, and so we went to the movie theater fairly uh, frequently. Mm-hmm. Look, when I saw it when I was thirteen, it was easy, like most folks, to not only have a crush on Catherine Mary Stewart and wish I wish she was my girlfriend, <laughs> but I also wanted yeah. Alex Rogan to be my big brother because Lewis was kind of a dork. I was like, I want him to be my big brother. He's awesome. <laughs> but in my my wife to this day, you know, when we did I did the interview the other day, she was like, Lance Guest is still hot. He's still hot, <laughs> and she's had a crush on him. So, but when you see it in 2011, Kat, yes, Cat, I don't know that you have any visceral response. <laughs> it's not the same as when you're in puberty, I guess. Probably, no, I did not. And actually, when I rewatched it last week, I yeah. was <laughs> I ha- I have to admit the thing that I remembered most was the little brother because he was distressing yeah. to me because my children <laughs> were still young enough and, and oh. the, the little kids showing playboys and, and he's, right. you know, I, I was like, oh man. So now your children are older now. So yes. you were just saying you were remembering when the, you watched it the first time. Yes. Yes. That was from the, <laughs> you still have that. Yes. <laughs> that I remember thinking, oh, what is he showing my children? But, um, yeah. I, so when I, I have to tell you, when I was rewatching The Last Starfighter, all I could think of was how much Lance Guest, and I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget it. He reminds me of Robert Hayes from Airplane. <laughs> there hmm. is, can you oh. can you see that? If you look That's him up, look, look up his picture. And I thought hmm. he just looks like a younger version of, of the Airplane guy. Hmm. But then well, during know, the interview, yeah. he looks like an older version yeah. of the airplane guy. Oh. <laughs> now, Ray, by the time you saw, uh, since you're a horror fan, when you saw Last Starfighter, yeah. were you thinking, well, that's the guy from Halloween too? Absolutely. Oh. 100%. Is that distracting at all? Uh, and it, it's a cool um, tie-in yeah. with Nick Castle. Yes. I, I love the fact that um, he's Michael Myers. And then you get the tie-in right. of uh, Lance playing um, Jimmy. Jimmy. Jimmy, yeah. He plays Jimmy. So yeah. I love that tie-in. And Nick oh, Castle actually didn't play the shape in that version. He was in it in one, and then he came back later. But right. in two, he wasn't. But yeah, but yeah. And the fact that Nick Castle, who you know, started off his career acting in some John, John Carpenter movies in small roles like that, mm-hmm. could be such an amazing director is, is and yeah. 
he co-wrote Escape from New York. Yes. Oh. And he performs the title song to Big Trouble in Little China. He does. Seriously? And, Ray, now you go with something you read on Wikipedia. <laughs> no, I love Nick Castle, yeah. so. Yeah, no, he's, he's great. I, look, I said this on the interview. Maybe he should direct the sequel. I mean, he's, you know, between oh, him absolutely. and the two. And, and we can't, you know, we have to mention Jonathan Betchel, who wrote it, is involved yeah. in the sequel, thank goodness. So, yeah, if you get the whole group together, I don't know how you could lose. Well, I guess I should mention also, also of course, it's it starred uh, alongside Lance and Catherine. It starred legendary actors Robert Preston mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Dan O'Herlihy. Mm-hmm. Indeed, mm-hmm. of course, everybody knows Robert Preston played the Music Man and was in a number of oh. films before The Last Starfighter. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> uh, Don't tell me it was the last film. It's not true. No, oh, no, okay. no, no. That's not where I want to go. I want to yeah. go with Daniel. Daniel. He was in Season of the Witch, another Halloween movie. Oh, oh Daniel Hurley. Yeah, Daniel. Oh, wait. Yeah, who was he in that? Was he in the one of the scientists or the... Oh, he was He was Connell... Um, Connell Cochran. All right. So He's yeah. the goddamn bad guy in Season of the Witch. Really? Holy cow. Goddamn right, man. <laughs> I was going to mention that, but you know, that's a good example too. Because I was going to mention he plays the bad guy in RoboCop. <laughs> and does. the amazing thing is, and he was a fantastic actor long before any of these mm-hmm. films in the 1980s. Yeah. But that he could play such a sweet, you know, lovable character like Grig under all that makeup. He does. And play these evil, you know, awful people outside of yeah. the makeup. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yep. I'd like to comment on the car. Well, it wasn't yeah. really a, well, it was a car. Um, we decided that oh, yeah. the vehicle. Star car. That, uh, yeah, it, it looks like a DeLorean hearse is what we <laughs> <laughs> decided. Mm. <laughs> and um, That's interesting. That reminds me that, features. you know, we did a, did a story last week that was kind of upset about uh, this other podcast that did this TikTok and this video where they, <laughs> they said what? that, hey, we just noticed that. Back to the Future may be set on the same day as the Goonies, oh, and here's the yeah, reason Yeah, 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 I heard you talking about it, yeah. And I thought, who cares? That's not even an Easter egg. The fact <laughs> that things happen on the same day does not join them in any way, right. except maybe temporarily. It doesn't even mean they exist in the same world. Right, right. But anyway, so would you remind me with your comment? Mm-hmm. Because I did reach out to our friend Claudia Wells, and she's helping Ooh. investigate. Claudia Ooh. Wells who played Jennifer Parker in the original yeah, yeah. Back to the Future, and she is investigating it for us, but we probably won't have an answer for a couple of weeks. Nick Castle also said- Oh, brother. <laughs> George Lucas. Oh, yeah? Okay. Absolutely a genius. Oh, here you go. And when they were doing The Last Starfighter- Yes, yes. He kept saying, man, George beat me to every punch on this thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there wasn't- He did, we, man. Yeah, we did reach a, a read at- uh, I know we talked to Catherine Mary Stewart about this, I think, you know, last year when we talked to her- that there were efforts made to avoid some comparisons, inevitable comparisons to a, a Spielbergian world right. generally. Yep. Right. Um, so they moved it from a suburb to a trailer park. Mm-hmm. And then yep. other things they changed to avoid, you know, comparisons to uh, Star Wars. But yep. I think, you know, I, I, I feel more emotionally connected to Starfighter than Star Wars because I guess because it's set on Earth or it starts mm-hmm. on Earth mm-hmm. versus space. You know, it's hard to connect what? to a guy who doesn't want to be a moisture farmer. I think versus a kid who wants to leave a trailer park. Yeah. And I think that's the beautiful thing about him with the, with um, Spielberg and Lucas is, is that he took what they did and he changed it enough to appeal to us (laughs) to avoid (laughs) copyright infringement. (laughs) Yeah. There's no copyright infringement there, but he, he appreciated what they did and he wanted to not infringe upon what they did. So, I did yep, see an yep. interview with Nick Castle where he explained that the original name of the film was Starfighter and they added the last because the <laughs> feeling was that anything that had yeah. star yes. and, and another word following it would probably be the subject of a lawsuit from Lucas. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. He was more litigious then. Now he's, he's mellowed out quite a bit in the last three mm-hmm. decades or so. Okay, cool. So now let's hear from the experts themselves. In a moment, we'll be right back with our guests today, Catherine Mary Stewart and Lance Guest. Hey, it's Will. Couple of quick show notes. This interview was originally recorded on Facebook Live to watch the full interview. Watch. You can go to The 80s Ruled, our content partner on Facebook. 
Second thing, at the start of the interview, I played for everyone in the in the uh, live viewing and for our guests the original theatrical trailer of The Last Starfighter. Okay, that's it. Enjoy. Uh, please welcome Catherine Mary Stewart and Lance Hello. Best. Hey! So when, when I was watching that trailer, I can't help but, you know, automatically have the feelings similar to I did when I first saw the film as, you know, a 13 or 14-year-old kid in, in, the, in the theater. Um, but for you two, it was a job. Uh, so what is it that you feel when you see this uh, trailer after all this time? <laughs> it was hell. It was the worst job I've ever had. I can't believe I'm on, on camera with Lance Guest. He's such a jerk. <laughs> I, have to, I have to say, was that the original trailer? You know, before that was released, there was, it was, in a sense, that was a theatrical trailer. Yes. Okay. Before I, that. I don't, remember, I, re, I don't remember it having that many things in it. I remember it being a little bit more like the setup. Right. Kind of like the way trailers used to be, the setup, and then like, we'll see what happens, rather than. Yes. You know, kind of showed everything. Yeah. There, there was, there before that came out, there was a teaser trailer. It was just very short, about a minute. And they made it seem like a darker film. And in the 1980s, I remember being terrified of three things. Nuclear holocaust, being abducted by a stranger in a car, and being abducted by aliens. In the, the teaser trailer had, didn't have the nuclear holocaust, but you had a stranger in a car who turned out to be an alien abducting a teenager is what it seems like. Oh, like music the is whole playing. package. Yeah. <laughs> Your biggest fears in one movie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a good point. That's a good point. What about I you, Lance? When you see that, you go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I, yeah. I remember auditioning for the, the, the day after. Remember the Nuclear Holocaust? Oh, TV boy. Oh, I remember scary. auditioning for that. And I, the audition went really well. And there were everybody was like, wow. I, I, you know, when you feel like you got the job, you know, I got the job. And I, I didn't get the job. I never heard from them again. And then they hired this guy. He's a, he's, a, he's a fine actor, but they hired this guy that if you took a picture of me and a picture of him hmm. in 19, whatever, 80 or something, we looked like almost the exact same person. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of like, yeah, that guy. <laughs> like, hmm. The day after terrified many a youth from the 1980s. We talk about it routinely on our show. I mean, it still haunts us. Yeah. Uh, and the funny thing is when we were kids, uh, you know, we would do these drills, you know, and maybe you did drills when you were, you were, you were in school, but, um, what we were going to going under a desk, wasn't going to protect us from a nuclear Holocaust, but they had us do it anyway. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm from Canada. We didn't do any of that. Oh. stuff. We <laughs> you were like, going to be oh. fine. <laughs> we, were, we were fine. We were fine. No one hated you. No. <laughs> we were the Sweden of, uh, or Switzerland of North America. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I think we didn't actually do those things when, when I was, I was in, I was born in 1960 and we, it was my older brothers and, and my sister were all, they, they all kind of had the duck and cover thing, but yeah. I don't really remember doing it quite. <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> very protective. Yeah. I'm dog sitting for a friend. So now there's two. Oh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> So, you know, you mentioned about the, uh, about auditioning for, for the show. Um, or you mentioned auditioning for day after it makes me think about auditioning for this show. How was it pitched to you as, as if, you know, as a, what was the concept from the film as it was explained to you that you were be auditioning for? I, I, I can say something. It wasn't really pitched so much as it was just, you know, the, the agents just say, Hey, you have an audition for a show called at this point, Centauri's recruit. Mm. And, um, we got a script or <laughs> yeah, we got a script. And I read it and I thought, oh, this is so. So then you, you go in and, and it's, it's not like anybody. It's not like they had to sell me on it. I was still, yeah. you know, an actor just auditioning for whatever. It was like the lead role. So I was like, oh, yeah, OK, let's go. Yeah. yeah. You know, those days, both of us are, you know, young and just coming up in Hollywood. I was on Days of Our Lives at that time right. and auditioning for whatever came along, really, almost, you know, within reason. Um, and we were just, we fit really neatly into that um, age bracket and look and everything that there was tons and tons of stuff out there at that time. So yeah. And, and yeah, nobody pitched anything. It was just like Lance said, you get a script, you read it, and then you go audition. Isn't it unusual for them to give you, you the whole script though, and not just sides? Uh, I don't re recall exactly. Do you, do you Lance, do you re no, re I was, the whole script? 
I always, even when I did nothing, I always insisted on reading the whole script. I always was like, I, I can't, I can't give you an answer unless I read the whole script because yeah. you, know, you work really hard on an audition, and then it's not a movie that you really believe in. Want to be in, yeah, yeah. yeah so then, then you got you're in the awkward position of saying, hey, there. Mm. So I, I always pretty much was. I was really lucky. I, most of the time, I got to read the whole script. Which I did. I'm a very but, slow reader too. It's like four hours. <laughs> but that is unusual though, because they don't automatically give you a whole script. They'll just give you the sides and you're you sort of have to and also it's it's more difficult for the actor because you have to kind of imagine the context, you know? Yeah. It'll and especially nowadays where you you don't even get to talk to a casting person ahead of time or a director or a producer. You just, you self tape and you have sides and you're like, well, I guess I'll throw that against a wall and see if it sticks. It's, 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 uh, it's very tough. And uh, you're, so you're smart Lance to do well, that. I looked at it from a writer's point of view. So it's like hmm. the writer, you can imagine a writer sitting here going, okay, I've, I've had, you know, I have this thing in my mind and, and, and when you, when you write it, the scenes have to have a particular quality to them based on what came before and what came after and everything like that. And if the actor doesn't know anything about it, I mean, they may describe it and say something, you know, sort of superficial, but if the actor doesn't know, then they come and make all these weird choices and they go, ah, wrong, wrong, wrong. And it's just kind of unfair for everybody to me. So I, I always, I always figured if it's good writing, the, 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 the writing is subtle enough that it does depend on the greater context of the script. Yeah, but yeah, I, think a, yeah. I would think a film like Starfighter also, because of the sci-fi nature of it, you'd need enough of it to understand conceptually what you're doing here. Because, uh, you know, I mean, it's you're on Earth, you're in space, uh, et cetera, and so on. Yeah. So when you understand uh, what the film is about and you're auditioning for it, and uh, look, you're, you're still, you, you guys are young. You've had a couple of films under your belt prior to this. A CMS is on a TV show, of course. But is there any concern about taking a job where you're competing with another uh, star adventure that just wrapped its uh, you know trilogy just a year earlier than this film? Uh, afraid of the comparisons or it would be uh, maybe a negative as a result of competing Star Wars. I'm talking about Star Wars. I'm trying to be poetic about it, but I understand. Right. Um, Any- <laughs> we kind of figured. Yeah. You know, to me, it, the, the strength of this piece is that it wasn't, and I'm not trying to knock Star Wars. It wasn't yeah. Star Wars. It was, it was a different, a whole different premise. Right. You know, Star Wars is, is these people are like, yeah, let me jump on my space bike and cruise. And it's, you know, like nothing. So, right. uh, yeah. You know, we, we, it was a world of, of not, it was a human world versus a alien world. And most of the comedy and most of the sort of wonder of it is, right. is, is really dependent on that uh, relationship. Yeah. yeah. Sort of the intimacy of the, it's a contemporary situation. It's, there were characters that the audience can relate to as opposed to, you know, these people in outer space, they're way into the future. It's like, it's happening now. It's it's a kid you can relate to. It's a girl you can relate to, and they are surprised by this extraordinary situation. And and I mean, you know, like Vernon Washington's um, his his line, which kind of says it all. You know, you got to take it with both hands. And um, like I'm paraphrasing, but um, but it's I feel like it's way more relatable to the, for the kids in the audience. Because they can see themselves in Alex's shoes. Right. You know what I mean? And that yeah. that's the difference. The only, I agree with Lance, the only similarity really is that there's some stuff in outer space. It's a much smaller, more intimate film. Yeah. And it's sort of self-referentially funny too. There's a little, you know, the aliens are kind of the guy with the several noses and everything. There's somewhat comic, you know, it's not like, it's yeah. not like Star Wars is pretty... I mean, you are fighting this intergalactic war, but it's it's not all that, you know. Right. There's a lot more. Robert Preston's character, Centauri, you know, is is funny. I mean, yeah. it's it, it has that huge comical element to it. Yeah. 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 I was just realizing today what you said is so obvious, but I, I was only able to articulate it to myself today that Star Wars I enjoyed as a great, you know, a big sweeping sci-fi sort of adventure. But you're right. When I think about it in hindsight, I didn't connect with these characters the way I do with your characters, probably for the simple reason that uh, 
you folks are from Earth. Right, right. Well, these are, these are, the characters are everyone. They're everyone characters. Anybody could be them. And then you fall into the, the fantasy element of it, which is what movies are all about, you know, um, to take the audience on a journey yeah. that they can relate to them. That's even better when they can relate to it on some level. Uh, we have a question from Mark. Let's see, Mark writes, Lance, I enjoyed your character and it seemed you approached the character as a regular guy in extraordinary circumstances. How did you see the role? Um, that pretty much exactly what he said. <laughs> there you go. Um, High five, Mark. Uh, hi, Mark. Yes, Mark. Uh, I have a brother named Mark. That's always a good uh, premise, I think, for a for a for a film is uh, is that thing because it, it has both the ident- identification and the sort of entertainment value of oh, this is a world we don't know, you know, and, and what could be farther away from a trailer park than you know outer space? So yeah, <laughs> it does. It does seem to be a a, a good. It's it's ripe for for comedic value and uh, dr- dramatic value and fun, you know? Right. So the more, the, the, I mean, the more I really tried to clarify that like, okay, this is really happening mm. to me, the normal, the human being, the better the comedy sort of held. Mm. And it was written that way. So it's, you know, it's not like this was my great discovery. It was, it was written that way. Right. And uh, of course the script was written by Jonathan Betchel. I mean, it's just yep. fantastic. And it's so tight. I mean, really nothing extraneous yeah. in it. It just sort of sings along. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that was one of the cool things. I don't know about you, Kathy, but I've, I've most other films I've made. There's all these changes they make in the script. You know, the, the original script that you read ends up being radically different. They cut whole sections and whole you know character arcs and all kinds of stuff. And this movie pretty much was exactly what we what we saw. You know? Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. You can in editing, you can completely change a movie. I've been in a few of those myself where it starts out, it could be a dark sort of psychological investigation. And, and mm. by the end of the editing and when it's put out there, it's a sex romp or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy what they can do. And, you know, you do your work and then you sort of, you, it's out of your hands and you never know what exactly will come out. But yes, Last Starfighter was was, you know, what we thought it was going to be. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly right. And that's really important because it's really important for the actors to know what movie they're in. You know, (laughs) that's the first thing I learned. Definitely. Yeah. (laughs) That's the first thing I learned in, 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 you know, I was in, I guess it's theater school. I was a theater manager at UCLA and you, you got to know what, what, what you're doing. You got to know what the tone and what the genre and what the, you know, what it is you're doing. So yeah. you can, you can, you know, play along. <laughs> That's right. And also, you know, if they do a whole ton of editing and the, and the movie becomes something different from what you were acting in on, on the set or wherever it is, you're the ones who are on camera. And if it, if it sort of gets screwed up somehow in post-production, you're the ones that get blamed for it. You know, it's yeah. like, wow, that was a really weird acting choice or something like that, you know, that, which can be very frustrating. You're, you're pretty vulnerable as an actor. That's for sure. Yeah. You don't really have that much control. You can just, you have the control of yes or no, whether you're going to do it. And then you have what you do on screen. Yeah. And if you're so consumed with what it is that only you are doing on screen, <clears throat> you don't really relate to the other characters and you don't really, and I've always been, I've always wanted to, do that. I've always wanted to make it all about the connection between the two actors and the two characters rather than how cool do I look, you know? Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's, it, you know, it's something that you learn because that's kind of a natural thing. Everybody that, Oh, I want to be a movie star. Oh, you know, of course they're going to think like, and you, and you meet some actors and that's all they care about. They all, they could be doing the scene with a tennis ball. They could be doing the scene with a rock, you know, <laughs> a tape on the wall their performance is exactly the same. And so that's what's, that's what was fun about working with Kathy because we played off of each other and we really were talking to each other and it was really, you know, it's really fun to see it actually, because we're so cute. (laughs) I just love, I mean, like I remember so clearly all these scenes that we did together and, and we were, we were playing off each other. We really liked each other and we really, I don't know. I felt certainly um just sort of this sweet innocent relationship thing going on and watching it is like i can sort of separate myself 
from it. And I'm like, oh, we're so cute together. Look at those nice kids. (laughs) You guys had such great chemistry. Did anybody ever pitch another project for you to do together after that? <laughs> sort of. <laughs> well, sort of. Somebody had an idea of, of a television movie at one point, but it never uh, came through. Remember that yeah. like Christmas thing? Yeah. It was. I thought it was a great idea too. I but, thought so too. Uh, I yeah. thought so too. Well, you never know. You never know. After the sequel comes out, oof, boy, sequel, people right. people will be oh. scrambling for us. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> you, you invoked the sequel so early in our conversation here. You know, I know. talked about the sequel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I guess not getting too far ahead. You know, you, you did oh, yeah. mention uh, uh, Robert Preston, uh, the great legendary actor, Robert Preston. You know, certainly by then, you know, as young up and coming actors, you're well aware of Robert Preston in m- many, many legendary films, including, mm-hmm. of course, The Music Man, which I understood, understand, uh, the character was developed as essentially to be uh, Harold Hill. And then ultimately they, you know, the producers were fortunate enough to get the Harold Hill, uh, Robert Preston. Were you wowed when you, when you uh, ultimately got to work with him? Was it uh, intimidating to work with someone of his stature, even for you, for you guys at the time? Um, do you want to go first, Kathy? Or you want me to go? Well, I never actually worked yeah. with him. The only time that I'll, so I'll keep it brief, but so <laughs> yes and no, I want to say. <laughs> so I never worked with him on the set, but when we did um, some shots after we wrapped, we did some pickup shots. He happened to be at the studio leaving when I was arriving. So I was introduced to him and which was the most amazing moment for me, except for working with you, Lance. <laughs> but he, he, he took my hand and he kissed it and he says, it's a pleasure to meet you. And I was just like, oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh. it really was so thrilling for me to, to actually have been able to meet him. So anyway, take it away, Lance. Yeah. Well, um, uh, you know, the, what's interesting is that a lot of times in scripts, they'll say, They'll, they'll, they'll just go out and say, it's a Robert Preston type or something. They'll, yeah. they'll think blah, 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 meets blah, blah, blah. You know, they, they, sometimes they do these in, in scripts. They never did that in this, which was good. And, um, I mean, obviously it was a great character. You can tell from when you read it, it's just this fantastic character. And people told me that they were talking to other people like Peter O'Toole, I think was going to do Mick Jagger was going to wanted to be in movies and stuff. And so it was like all these other people and, 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 and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love Peter O'Toole and stuff. Um, and Mick Jagger. Uh, but then when they said Robert Preston, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I think so. <laughs> but wasn't it written for him? I mean, wasn't it sort That's of... What John Mick said. Cast- yeah, but Nick Castle had something to do with that too, yeah. via his father or something like that. Well, no, Nick, was, Nick, was, Nick was saying that he said this, this, this reminds me of a musical. Nick's dad used to... To choreograph oh and, yeah, and so uh, and I think directed a few musicals. Um, but anyways, he, right. he just read it. And he's like, "This feels like a musical." And then they thought, mm-hmm. "I repressed it." And when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I learned two songs. I was one of those people that loved songs with lots of words really fast. Mm-hmm. So I learned Alice's Restaurant and Trouble in River City <laughs> around about the same time. <laughs> and so I, you know, I would learn, you know, the whole rap, you know, the whole right. trouble in River City. We, so uh, we have another question here. Um, so, of course, you know, within a short time and actually CMS, you may have shot Night of the Comet before you shot uh, Starfighter. Is that? No, yeah. it was it, oh, it was, was after. after. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Just after. It's, Same it, year, you know, though, I think. Both of them are so interesting, sort of, you know, reflective of the time that you both have lead characters that are really good at video games. <laughs> All right. I mean, it's in the 19, 1984. So we do have a question though from, from James wondering, are you good at video games? Or maybe even were you good at video games in the 1980s? <laughs> <laughs> I, the only video game I actually ever even kind of enjoyed was Pac-Man. So that was even way before all that stuff. But you know, those, those kind of games, uh, yeah, not, uh, I wasn't great at them, but I was good at pretending. Yeah. (laughs) That's my answer. And you essentially just have a light in the cabinet, just putting a glow on your face when they shoot that thing and you're just acting intense. Yeah, sometimes they they would, they would sort of augment it, but, but we actually were playing to a pre-recorded Oh, uh, okay. Track. So a pre-recorded 
thing. So it's like, okay, go get it. You know, but I mean, obviously video games back then were so different than what they are now. You know? It was like a step up from, you know, Pong. Yes. You know, <laughs> yeah. Another game I didn't mind. <laughs> when it gets into all that, forget yeah. about it. The game, The Last Starfighter in the movie, I remember as a kid seeing it saying, I want games to look that way. They didn't look as good as the, you know, the fake game they had created. They the really, yeah. That was a good game. Yeah. And that was a good game. Oh, do we have another question here? Oh, we do. Oh, people want to know about the sequel. Hang on, we're going to get to that. <laughs> and then we're getting a lot of no comments, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Maja or Maha? I'm not sure how I'm going to get your name right, but I'm going to ask your question. What fascinated you most about making movies? Do you want to go first, Kathy? Uh, sure. Um, let's see. I never really thought about making movies before I made a movie. I was a dancer and I uh, auditioned as a dancer for this rock musical feature film and I ended up in the lead role. So it was sort of, I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and I ended up in Berlin for a couple of months shooting this crazy, crazy movie. And then it, but it gave me some sort of cred in terms of the fact that I'd done this lead role in a feature film. So um, it got the, it definitely got the ball rolling for me uh, when I ended up in LA. And so, but, you know, to answer the question, I loved every second of it. I mean, I found it fascinating and I still, to this day, I love the process, but I also love the behind the camera stuff. I, I, I really, really enjoy that. So I love just being on a set. I, I honestly do. I, I, I don't have to be in it. I don't have to even be in it behind the camera. I love being on a set. It's something I find super fascinating for some reason. Um, you know, it, it occurs to me, you know, Lance, we, as you're panning around, we see your guitars. And we know, of course, in 2010, you were in, uh, you were on Broadway in Million Dollar Quartet playing Johnny Cash in Million Dollar Quartet. Yes. So you sing, you play music. We know CMS, you know, she makes movies where she's singing. Uh, recently, was it Rock and Roll Christmas where you, you're singing opposite <laughs> the uh, character that played your, played your daughter? Yep. Maybe there's a musical in store here, you know, either a musical number in the sequel or we get the there whole thing as a musical. <laughs> No. You don't know. You don't know how many years I've been trying to elbow in on his jam room downstairs. Right? Like, no, no. Do I no. ever get to sing? No. No, I never know that. You can just come up and say hi. What kid? You guys know? I don't know. What do you want to sing? <laughs> I had no idea. I didn't know you wanted to get up and do that. Oh my God. I, 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 I love singing. I'm not a great singer by any stretch oh, of the imagination. But all through my childhood, I was one of those kids that came home from school, put on my, you know, I don't know, Eagles album and just sang at the top of my lungs <laughs> before my mom and my brothers got home. Oh my God. All right. Well, I, now, this, we, yeah. now we know. Uh -oh. Now we know. <laughs> oh, you're going to put my, putting myself on the spot now. Well, we've got another question here from Jeff C. I mean, this Jeff's question reminds me, I was at Disney World with my daughter not too long ago, and they had this ride there at NASA Simulator. And I only went on it because I love my daughter and support it. But during the whole thing, I had to fight claustrophobia and nausea and pretend like everything's fine. She loved the ride. But Jeff C. wants to know how much you were actually spun and twisted around doing the physical part of the death blossom. <laughs> well, you'd think... You'd think they'd try to get away with it by using by spinning the camera instead of me. Of course. But no. <laughs> this is some of this stuff that we shot afterwards on the stage. And yes. I got to witness some of this. And yeah, I, I think there might have been a little nausea involved. <laughs> I, I think ahead, I, only, I only did it twice. I mean, I, I, mm. I, I think we only shot it twice. But I, I was indeed, the camera stayed in one spot and it was me oh. that was doing this. No, so they had this sort of cage that was like a, you know, it was like an amusement park and it was, yeah. you know, I, you know, I thought it would be fine. You know, I didn't think I'm not, I'm not, I don't get like seasick or anything like that, but yeah. it was a little weird. And I remember the publicity shot they took of me that it was on the cardboard cutout or whatever on the, and that they put in the theaters and I'm, I'm sitting there and I have my helmet off and I've got my helmet sort of around my, I got my arm around my helmet. And I'm just sitting there looking at the camera and I look like I'm really pissed off. <laughs> if you see this picture, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, that guy looks like he's kind of pissed off. Yes, I was very pissed off. <laughs> they captured the mood. Like, one more, just oh, one more mm. time. 
So. And then the helmet be- serves another purpose all of yeah, a sudden. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it was funny. You know, thinking about those scenes, of course, uh, another amazing actor that was in the film with you, Dan O'Hurley. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if, um, so obviously we never get to see his face. And he's an, another amazing actor who was in so many great films prior to that. He actually plays the bad guy in RoboCop. You'd never recognize him because he's so sweet in this film. I'm wondering if during rehearsals, of course, I imagine there's at least a table read. Maybe there's other rehearsals where where Mr. O'Hurley, he's not in his makeup. Did his character change once he had the prosthetics on? Did he find it? Lawrence Olivia said something about you find the nose, you find the the character. Um, I would say uh, he really enjoyed uh, being being that person person because he wasn't he wasn't Grig as a person mm. he was a he was a distinguished articulate you know Irish mm. Irish English person he was Irish by descent but I think he might have been a British citizen I can't remember and he he definitely enjoyed the sort of bigger than life kind of character that he was and this sort of kooky wacky guy that he was mm. and he wasn't really kooky and wacky in real life he was just this kind of soft-spoken kind of easygoing guy yeah. but so he you, you could tell that I mean, obviously when I saw him without the, you know, without the get up on, he's, he's, he was, uh, himself and, uh, it was different. I guess the, the short answer is, uh, he definitely was different. He definitely was playing a part and you could tell he kind of enjoyed being the goofy guy. Yeah. <laughs> Just as a, an audience member, I think he's unrecognizable. If you, you know, seeing different films he's in, you tell me that I don't, I only knowing it's factually him, I wouldn't otherwise believe you. Uh, I think yeah, it's, yeah. Just, yeah. it's transformative. And I, I never even saw him without the prosthetic makeup. So I didn't even know what he looked like. <laughs> I, it was like, I could barely sort of, wow. um, I, it was after the fact that I kind of looked him up and went, Oh, Oh my gosh, that's who that that's was. Cause crazy. it didn't click for me. Right. But I, you know, when you think about all that rubber prosthetic makeup that he had on, and in yeah. those days it was literally just rubber, you know, it barely moved. Hmm. It, it, it is a real, it, uh, it really shows you what a brilliant actor he was because even underneath all that prosthetic makeup, he could express himself in that goofy way with it, even if it's with his shoulders or his mouth and, or his eyes, subtle little things. He created such an amazing character in, in not a very easy situation. And um, someone asked us on Facebook and I don't have their name, but I'll ask the question because I think it's a good question. If folks are wondering if the, the uh, trailer park that you shot at was actually a trailer park. Yes, it was. It was a functioning trailer park in the middle of the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but the, they had to, they moved the people that were actually living there, uh, sort of out for the duration of however long we shot there, like two or three weeks. And they put them up, I guess, in hotels or something. And so we, we kind of, cause you know, we shot mostly at night. Right. Remember we, we well, I shouldn't say mostly at night. We probably did like one week on one week off, mm-hmm. um, day, yeah. day or night, but the Hollywood, it's like the Hollywood the Hollywood trailer park people were. <laughs> the Hollywood version of it. I don't think the trailer park looked like that before they mm. got there. Mm. They, you know, they, it was almost like they made it into like a cartoon trailer park, you mm. know, with all the, the windmills and all that other stuff. But yeah, so they took that, a trailer park that existed and really dressed it up and made it, you know, Hollywood worthy. <laughs> I think it's still there. I don't know if people live there. I don't though. think it's a trailer park anymore. That, that, I think mm. the store is still there. I remember right. I drove up there once about 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And I, and I was like, wow, this is the place. I'd somehow remembered where it was, you know? And mm-hmm. Yeah. People go there, you know, like fans of the last starfighter go yeah. there and take pictures and, and put, post them on Facebook and stuff like that. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, and thinking about that ending there where you were with Greg, we got a good question here from Tom saying, what are you saying as you were going up into the spaceship at the end? You know, I tried to read your lips watching the, tra- I think it was the trailer that we showed. It's like, maybe I can make it out. What did, you, what did you think? Could you tell? No, I couldn't tell. Anything. I'm not good at reading. <laughs> I have no skill there whatsoever. No. <laughs> Scripted or? Well, I remember what it was. Kathy, do you remember what it was? Do you I say? don't remember. <laughs> well, I didn't remember what it was. I heard you say it recently somehow. And I was like, Oh, but we were, there was nothing scripted. There was nothing scripted. So we were just kind of like making it up as we go along. So go ahead. Lance, cause so, uh, you- as we're going up in the, you know, as we're going up in the thing and like we're off on our adventure, I go, 
I said, isn't it great? It's just like in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my little meta joke. Yes. <laughs> got me to smile. It was sweet. Yeah. That me more practical. Like, are you freezing? I'm freezing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When will this shot be over? Yeah. <laughs> We're getting questions about a a potential sequel. We know, we haven't heard from John about this, but we know that Gary Whitta, who's his writing partner on the sequel, has been out in uh, in social media, you know, uh, letting folks know that it's in the works. In fact, most recently on March 25th, he tweeted a sizzle reel with uh, different images from the proposed uh, sequel. And it was concept art, and and we had actually a new version of the original score uh, behind it as well. It included a number of different images. Um, It seems like... Alex and Maggie are still at the trailer park and you know, they're, they're back at the trailer park, unless the trailer park's well, in outer space somewhere. Yeah, no, there's actually, well, there, yeah, there's actually another photo where this, this scene actually takes place. It seems inside of a trailer mm-hmm. where you see aliens mm-hmm. attacking the trailer and then cut to, there's actually some words under this that I think says that uh, indicating that Alex shoots the alien uh, dead there. But um Look, you can just say no comment, of course. Oh, well, I'll put it to you this way. If, if there is a sequel, and it certainly seems like there's an interest by the creators of the film to have your characters continue the story, are you interested in appearing in it? <laughs> of course. Uh, what kind of a question? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> they, I'll go one step further. They better put us in there. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, it sounds like yeah. fun. I, like I, I always say, it, it deserves a sequel. I think that the movie deserves a sequel. It's, it's, you know, it's a good idea, and it's, it's, it's people really, they really do love it, and they, and um, makes makes us happy that they do. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just a matter of getting it done, you know. Yeah, it, I mean, the movie, the original movie, was wide open for a sequel, you know. Yep. So yeah, it, it it absolutely makes sense. It would be a little distressing if it was a remake, because I I just feel that it wouldn't have the same sort of intimacy and the same, you know, it would be a different kind of a movie, and yep. I probably couldn't be Maggie anymore if they made it again. <laughs> Wait, do I look 18? <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. it looks like a lot of fun. That's cool. Yeah. So, you know, I think, it's, and I think it's interesting that, you know, it seems like the Rogans are still in the, in a trailer park. Maybe it's, and, and I think there's some other images. Oh, you can see the sign in the back. That sort of iconic sign that's in the original film. So mm-hmm. it seems like they're still in the original trailer park. Maybe even says star. Oh, I can't read it on the side there. Looks like the same sign. Yeah, it's interesting to me that, you know, Alex saved the universe and, you know, he went back and did some more work. He came back to Earth and maybe nobody knows or it didn't change his social standing, his financial standing at all. Or we know he wanted to get out of the trailer park, but he's still there as if. I like the car on the side there. He's like, obviously does work, you know. And I'm sitting here going, I thought he would be so much more. (laughs) He's always talking. Clearly, yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't know because we don't know that yeah, we, we don't know. We know as much as you do, you know, yeah. as far as like the, the concept or the story or anything. We yeah, know we, nothing. And we go, huh, I wonder where that's from, you know? And yeah. <laughs> well, guys, we are so very grateful. We are going to be looking for a sequel. I know we got to think of a hashtag and get these folks engaged in some sort <gasps> of gra- grassroots momentum here. I don't think they really? need it. I'm sure there's someone willing to produce this. There's such a, you know, already. I think so. Everybody yeah. I talk to says, well, how come, I, I, you know, we love that movie. Why is it not being made? So I was yeah. going to say, it'll probably happen. Yeah. Uh, thanks everybody for joining the call. We Bye. will uh, see you again see you, uh, next time. Or be seen. We will see you. <laughs> <laughs> Look, beyond nostalgia, oh, Ray, I'm sorry. I didn't spring, I'm springing this on you last minute. What? I think that as we look to make some more little tweaks here and there to our branding, that, you know, maybe we need to move away from how we usually wrap up the show and find maybe a more sincere way to have a conversation. Oh, see? See what he did there, Kevin? Wow. I do. (laughs) Good. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) Why is it that we're still, I don't know, in love with this film so many years later? And it has to be beyond nostalgia because I think we've established two years ago now that that doesn't Mm. account for a whole lot. And- if you start going down that path, it sort of just sucks everything up into, you know, one sort of answer. For me, you know, yeah. the themes of it 
are long lasting. It's simple. It's a very simple thing about wanting more than you've started out with in life. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sure, in their story, they go to space, but in our everyday lives, we're looking to achieve other things, I think. I believe, yep. uh, certainly there's nostalgia for many people, not for me, obviously, because I did not see it in the 80s, <laughs> but <laughs> there was a nice romance in there, nice, simple yep. romance. The adventure part appealed to me. The special effects were <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for the time, they were genre redefining. I mean, yeah, they were photorealistic yes. at the time. This movie is absolutely amazing. Yeah, and beyond a shadow of a <laughs> doubt, Centaurian yeah. is absolutely amazing. So, I guess if you just phrase any sentence, if you just work that into any normal yeah. conversation, what am I going to say? Hey, right? What do you What do you want me to do, man? I don't know what you want me to do. Okay. Hey, we will talk to you next time on 1980s Now. See ya. God damn it! What the. <laughs> f-